Hey. How you doing? I appreciate the appreciation. A chiseled physique like this takes a great deal of work. Um, you know, uh, I, part of my life I, I spend writing books, and in the last few months, a couple of books have uh, have come out. Um, Faith in the Fog, which is a book about uh, uh, working through disappointment and burnout and depression, really honest book. And then this other one, strange title, isn't it? The Cactus Stabbers just came out uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, I said to the publisher, what's, what's that cover about? And she said, she said uh, it looks like you. <laughs> so pray for me as I locate a new publisher... But anyway, the serious thing is next Sunday, next Sunday evening, 6 o'clock, we're going to kind of have a fun book launch kind of event. It's not going to be a service. It will be for one hour, coffee, some fun, talking about the books, the message of the books, and some of the books will be there. South Auditorium, next Sunday, 6 p.m. So if you want to come along, uh, you're invited. No tickets and it's free and all that stuff. So, But I've got some friends who wanted to just mention something about the book launch uh, I had to do the camera work for this, and oh, how professional it is. Have a look. Zigzag, zigzag. Okay, yeah, zigzag is good. Okay. Speak up real good. All right? All right, lights, camera, and... Oh, it's already, it's already filming. <laughs> okay, good. Well, hi, everybody. Uh, we're excited about this book launch with Mr. Jeffrey Lucas, our friend. Yes, we are. Hey, Faith in the Fog... I'll be on a serious note, great book. It is powerful, and it's on a subject, discouragement, depression. It's, it's on a subject we need to hear uh, more about. And uh, so please read it and get to the book launch. Another book, too. Uh, it's called Cactus Stabbers. I have no idea what it's about, <laughs> but I'm fascinated by the title. So we need to come check it out. I'm telling you, it's going to be good. You're up. When is it? When is it? I don't know. The dates are in the bulletin, I think. Oh, they are. That was kind of smooth, wasn't it? All right, so that's, that's happening uh, next week. Well, we are beginning this new series looking at the life of Abraham this weekend, and uh, we're thinking about being blessed to bless. And the title of this weekend's message is Going to God Knows Where. Going to God Knows Where. We're going to have a look at Genesis chapter 11 and 12 and a verse in Hebrews as well. So let's jump in. Genesis 11. Genesis 11, 1 says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And of course that is what happened. And then Genesis 12:1. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And then Hebrews 11 and verse 8. By faith... Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive 
as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Travelling can be a challenge. I've not had a great time at the airport recently. A couple of weeks ago, I went to check-in for a flight with my wife Kay. The check-in guy looked at me, then he looked at my wife, and this is what he said. He smiled and he said, Ah, travelling with your daughter today, sir, are we? (laughs) Travelling with your daughter. Then I get to go through security. I I, I appreciate security. It's for our protection. But I don't like it because I have to show them my passport. And my passport photograph is so truly horrendous. It looks like a mugshot of an exhaustive serial killer. (laughs) Parents, if you have any issues with your kids, let me know. I'll send you my passport over. That will scare them into fixing their rooms. You'll say, the scary man's coming over. It is horrifying. I go up to the TSA guy. This is absolutely true. I hand him my passport and he opens it to my photograph and he jumped. (laughs) And then I was absolutely telling the truth. He went, wow. (laughs) Imagine... If I walked up to him, handed him my passport, and then he said, boarding pass, and I said, actually, I don't have one. I'm going on a journey, but it is to God knows where. I don't know which plane. I don't know which gate. I don't know where I'm going. All I know is I'm on a mission from God, but I don't know where I'm going. Take away security. Take away the airport. Take away the modern technology. That's what you've got with Abraham. He's known as Abraham at this point. He gets a name change later on. But he was, he was invited, commanded perhaps by God to go on a journey, but he didn't know where it was going to end up. There's a lot for us to learn here. You see, we are travellers too. Did you know that? We're travellers. That's the, that's the nature of the church. The church is a travelling body. It's not a static institution. The word for church in the Greek is ecclesia, from which we get our word ecclesiastical. The ecclesia, they're the Old Testament exodus people called out by God from Egypt to travel to where he's going. So corporately, we can only call ourselves the church authentically if we are willing to move with God. It's corporately true. And then it's individually true as well. We are travelers. The gospel is not Just, Jesus, come into my heart. That's asking him to come where we are. The gospel is more fully, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's us going with him to where he's going. And so this very idea of traveling and mobility, it's in the DNA of the church. It's in the DNA of the disciple. And so there's much for us to learn here. Now, before we jump right into this too deep, I need to issue a bit of a health warning and offer some hermeneutical warnings here because it's no good just looking at this story superficially. Let me say a few things. First of all, as we spend the next 12 weeks with Abraham, his story is not normative for every Christian. 
There's a danger that preachers do that. They go, this is what happened to Abraham, this is what's going to happen to us. No, that's, that's, that's bad handling of Scripture. Abraham was called to be the father of the nations. So the idea that what happened to him is going to happen to every one of us, it's, it's just not the case. Secondly, importantly, we cannot apply New Testament Christian ethics to these stories. This is pre-Ten Commandments, pre the revelation of the law. So let's remember that. Thirdly, the Abraham story is really bad for picking texts, Bible texts out and just hanging a truth on them. We call it proof texting. Have you ever met Christians? They, they grab Bible verses and they say, well, I just believe the Bible. That's what it says right here. If you do that with Abraham, you're going to be in trouble. How many know that God doesn't want you to take your child up a mountain while you're carrying a knife? Right? Now, we, we laugh at that, but the story in the wrong hands could be highly dangerous. And so, let's be careful about that. Let's realize quickly that God takes us on journeys at times to show us what he's like and sometimes to show us what he's not like. We're going to see that. Some elements of this story, we're not going to enjoy them at all. I've got to a place in my life where I just want to tell the truth and there are some stories in the Bible I have to just say, I just don't like this at all. doesn't make it any less true or appropriate or valid. But I want to just be honest. There are stories here that we might struggle with and we can be honest about that. So what do we learn as we dive into this? If you've got a bulletin, Follow along, if you will. Number one, this journey. It's a journey with a reason the world desperately needs God. It's a journey with a reason the world desperately needs God. I am convinced that there is a need for us to reaffirm today that the world needs God. It's a simplistic, simple statement, if you will. But over the last 24 hours, we have just had another report of another atrocity, of another person being executed in the name of fundamentalist extreme religion. As we look around at our world and the damage that's done by religious extremism, and by the way, as Christians, we need to be careful because don't you know, we've got our own stuff in our history too, with the Crusades and other atrocities that were done in the name of Christ. As we look around, there can be a temptation to say, well, maybe the world would be a better place without religion. Maybe uh, the humanists would want, to make, want us to make a jump and say, well, maybe the world would be a better place. Let's just get rid of the idea of God. John Lennon, in the best-selling single of his solo career. You know it, don't you? Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. It's one of the most, it's one of the 100 most performed songs of the 20th century. Since 2005 in New York, just before the ball comes down in Times Square, they play that song. The idea is, well, if we could get rid of religion and the idea of God, the world would be a better place. But the experiment's already been tried, and it doesn't work. Let me explain. Genesis 1 through 11 is what's called primeval history. Everything begins with creation. Everything is good. 
And then the first couple fall in the Garden of Eden. The first murder takes place. There is a downhill trek descending to Genesis chapter 11 where everything gets absolutely terrible with the humanistic experiment to build the Tower of Babel. Let's banish God and let's make a name for ourselves. And God scatters that community as they try to banish him out from it. Right then! As Genesis 11 comes to an end, Genesis 12 kicks in. God launches his new kingdom community project in the calling of Abraham. And then there's, there's, there's Isaac and the, and the formation of the tribes and, the, and the, uh, the going to the promised land after the exodus and the gathering at uh, Mount Sinai. What's going on here? God, in the calling of Abraham is saying, no, we'll scatter the humanistic community. Let's build a community where God will be at the heart of it to show the world that there is a God and this is how to live with him, Israel. And the experiment began well, but it got cluttered with legalism and exclusivism. And the world gets dark and Jesus comes. And he teaches about the kingdom of God, which is among them right there, the rule of God. And he lives and he dies and he's raised again and he's ascended to heaven. And watch what happens. Genesis 11, take a snapshot in your mind. There's the Tower of Babel. There's the confusion of languages. And then what happens in Acts chapter 2 as the church is born? Suddenly the power of God comes down rather than people trying to rise up. And suddenly people hear the gospel in their own languages. Babel is the place of confusion. Acts 2, the birthday birthday of the church, is the place of clarity. And it all started with the call of Abraham. Honey, we shrunk the gospel. We've turned the gospel into something that's just for us to get us into heaven when we die and sort our sin problem out. But the gospel is about the creation of a kingdom beacon community, a city on a hill. And this journey is not just about us. It's about a world that needs God. And it might be that even today, for the first time in your life, you're figuring out that life without God doesn't work. Have you ever done what I do? I only did it once. We're rejoicing back in England now because our gas prices are down right now. We're only paying nine bucks a gallon right now. Whew! You ever put diesel in a car that should take unleaded? And there's a time of high-pitched screaming that follows that. Living life without God is like putting diesel in a car that runs on unleaded. It's not the way we're designed to be. And this journey of Abraham, it was about bringing that message to the world. Secondly, it's a journey with an invitation. It's a journey with an invitation. God breaks into the Adams family. Anyone remember, anyone, look at me right now, anyone remember the TV show, The Adams? How many, raise your hand if you're old enough to remember that. And I think I'm right, someone was just telling me that the mum was Morticia. I don't know why I needed to remember that. And the song from the Adams family is going through my mind. Would you, how many of you would like me to sing that to you right now? 
What weird people you are. (laughs) There's this idea among Jews that Abraham was selected by God because he was a really good guy. He was one of the best. He was the strong being, says one Jewish commentator. Another ancient Jewish commentator says that Abraham was such a good guy that he should have been the first man instead of Adam. Another one says that, that when Abraham died, the whole world lined up to say that it had lost a great leader. Here's the truth, everybody. Abraham was not chosen by God because he was good. Abraham was chosen by God because God is good. Abraham came from the Adams family. Get it? You see what I did with that? Adam, Adams. Ah, forget it. We all come from the Adams family. And Abraham did too. This was a family of polytheistic moon worshippers. His father was named after a moon god. His wife was named after a moon god, the city where they lived. They practiced human sacrifice. And then there's a shocking detail because Abraham had a sister. He had a sister from another mother. He married her. Hello. He married his half-sister. Now again, three Ten Commandments and God's blessing does not imply his endorsement. But any idea that Abraham was a perfect guy, therefore God chose him, as we're going to walk through his story, we'll understand that that's just not the case. You see, the truth is, God uses fragile, incomplete, broken people. Someone said to me the other day, what's the biggest lesson you learned in 2014? I said, I learned two. Number one, get someone else to pose for your passport photograph. (laughs) And number two, here it comes, three words. Changed my life in 2014. Everything's broken. Everything's broken. You say, are you coming... Are you getting cynical in your old age, Lucas? No, I'm just losing some of my idealism. That means I don't have to be disappointed. Every person is broken. Every church is broken. Every denomination is broken. Every organization is broken. If we get that and realize that God is working with broken people under reconstruction, we'll save ourselves a whole lot of disappointment. My life is broken and being put back together gradually by God. I don't live a perfect existence. I didn't wake up this morning to be greeted by the angel Gabriel who handed me a cup of tea, hot tea, not iced tea. That's from the devil, you know that. (laughs) Abraham is broken. You're broken. Hey, count yourself in. And that does not endorse sinful behavior. Let's get that clear. But it means that we can count ourselves in for the purposes of God, whatever, whatever, whatever our history. Thirdly, it's a journey with God and not just for God. It's a journey with God and not just for God. The Lord is a traveling companion. Has anyone noticed that God said to Abraham, we're going to go to the land that I'm going to show you. He doesn't just send him, he's going to show him that land. The presence of God going with us. And sometimes I think it's important that we know that God can, get this please, God can guide us and lead us even when we're not aware that he's doing that. Does that make sense? 
I, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish God would just send me a text and say, um, hey, Jeff, by the way, I'm just organizing this, this, and this because I want you to go there and do this and do that. Yours sincerely. Do you know that often God is guiding you when you don't even know that he's choreographing your life? This happened with Abraham. When did God speak to Abraham about leaving? Not in Haram, which is where he left. Abraham originally lived in a place called Ur. Ur. U-R. Ur. Ur. It's so hard for me as a British person to say that because many of you know we British people mumble. We don't open our mouths. The classier you are, the more you mumble. You heard Prince Charles lately? The dude mumbles. (laughs) You Americans, I love you because you open your whole face when you speak. I was in a church recently in Oklahoma, which was probably practicing a lack of hearing because of their practice of eating grits and other unspeakable things. And I was talking about a fire on a beach, a fire on a beach, a fire. The whole congregation looked blank. What is a fire? Fire. So I realized what's going on. I said, fire! So it's not err, it's err! None of this is important to anything. Abraham's in Ur. Daddy says, let's move. They move. Daddy dies. God says, when you were in Ur, I bought you out. Oh, I thought Dad bought us out. Do you see it? That over the top of human decisions, God was working out his purposes. He is a traveling companion with us along the way. Fourthly, number four, this is a journey that includes disruption. It's a journey that includes disruption, a radical call for a senior. A radical call for a senior. God knew he was asking something really big of Abraham. The word in the calling that is used is the Hebrew word moldeth, which means your country, your people, your father's household. Please notice this. God doesn't just say to Abraham, get out of Dodge leave town. No. God affirms his understanding of the disruptive cost that is to be paid because Abraham is going to have to leave his land, his father's household, his own people. And not only that, he's 75 years of age. I mean, think about that, 75. He's, he's probably thinking about golf. 75. I went to a church recently and a guy from the welcome team, get this, one of the greeters, guy came up to me and said, hey Jeff, man, you're looking old. <laughs> What's it happened to me? He's on the greeting team. I'm thinking, if you're the greeter, what's the rest of the church like? <laughs> I'm 59 in a few months. And I'm trying to think, because I don't live in a wilderness with a bunch of camels pre-internet. I, 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 I live in Colorado. I've got a mortgage and kids and grandkids. So how does this nomadic guy, Abraham, how does his story translate to me? 
I think it translates, and I was trying to work it out yesterday, going for a walk, with me just saying to God, well, I'm available. And I offer you the life that I've got, Lord, and, and you know responsibilities I have. And, but I'm available. Do you want to disrupt some stuff? Do you, want to, do you want to mess me up a bit? Do you want me to change track? I, I, I'm available. I wish sometimes it was clearer when God wants to do that. Something like that happened to me, actually in the life of somebody else, just a few weeks ago. Part of what I do in my life is I, I, I do some life coaching, taking people through a particular process. And I was working back in England with a lady, a business person, high-flying in her career, Christian lady. And we were spending some time looking at her present career and other opportunities that she might have. Now, I really want you to get this because it's one of the biggest God moments of my life in the last 18 months, two years. So we're talking about her career and as we're talking, I'm putting things on a chart, okay, and I'm looking at the various options and if what she's been saying to me looks like it's a, it's a go, it's a good thing, I, I put a green light up there uh, under that heading. And if, I'm, if her conversation suggests warnings about that opportunity, I put a red light. It's like a traffic signal. And if there's a warning that should be heeded, then I put a yellow. So I've got this chart. There are six or seven opportunities. But here's the thing. The job that she was in right then, it's coming up red, 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 red. I'm thinking, oh boy. If she sees this process as being right, She's probably going to have to leave that job. That's her choice. That's not my job. That's her choice. Here's what happened, folks. Okay? Picture the lady standing in front of a chart. Red, 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 green, 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 red, red, yellow, red, 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 red. I pop out of the room to give her 60 to 90 seconds to reflect. I go back into the room and she's standing there, the blood drained from her face. She's holding her phone. Her husband who is in another country, wonderful Christian man, was praying for her and sent her a text at that moment. Here's what the text said. I got a copy. Hi, honey. Hope your day is going well. Just been praying for you and God gave me a picture in my mind of red and green lights. And I feel like the Lord is saying the red lights are there to warn us for our help and we need whatever it takes. We need to go with the green lights. Not just on that day, right in that two-minute window when she's standing in front of a series of traffic lights. Right at that moment, the text comes through. I have news. Here is a special announcement just in. There is a God. There is a God. And I wish, I wish, I wish. I, I want to say, God, do that with me. I'll stand in front of a flip chart six hours a day if it's what it takes. Send me a text. And here's the thing. She closed her phone and said, well then that's it then, isn't it? Willing. 
for the disruption of God, which surely is to lead to something far better. With a minute and 44 seconds to go, let me say this. I told you earlier that God had spoken to Abraham when he was in Ur. But Abraham did not leave at that point. His dad made a decision. Abraham later left on that epic journey. And our text says, the Lord had said to Abraham. In other words, he knew back then this deal was on. But it was only here that he decided to step out. Perhaps this weekend, some of us already know what we're being asked to do. But faith is moving from an aspirational notion into being, if you will, the next step. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for the fragile example of this man, Abraham. We are so grateful, Lord, because you give us in Scripture not airbrushed heroes who always got it right, but certainly in the case of this man, many mistakes along the way, but you used him mightily for the purposes of the earth and for your kingdom. A member of the Adams family, not endorsed in everything he did, but called by you. And you traveled with him, but you disrupted his life wonderfully. There was a junction moment and a choice to be made. Help us, Lord, in our journeys. I wonder if we could keep our heads bowed for a moment. We're going to do something we don't often do at Timberline. I'm going to ask for a fairly intentional response in a moment. Some of us know, we've known for a while that God is asking us to take a significant step of faith. We've known that. It's just we've been kind of waiting. And we need courage and bravery to step out. As I continue to talk, if you find yourself in that place, you already know. You already know what the next step is. You just need to have that courage. I'd love to include you in a prayer. And as I continue to talk, from this, from this second on, if that's where you're at, I want to invite you, if you're able, just to quietly, quickly, just stand to your feet for a moment, please. If you know what the next step is, but you've been kind of kind of hesitant and nervous we'd just love to pray for courage and boldness for you people are beginning to stand around the place you go ahead and join them if you'd like it may be that you are sensing a junction in your journey but you're kind of not really sure what that means at the moment and you need wisdom you do need some clarity I'd love to be able to promise you there's going to be a text and a traffic light but it doesn't always happen that way But if you're in that place and you need wisdom, I invite you, please. You're saying, God, I I really want to know what your strategy and your purpose is. I invite you, if you're able, just to join those who are already standing. Go ahead. and We're going to pray for wisdom and direction for you. And all around the place, people are feeling relaxed to stand. 
finally, I want to invite you to stand today. I want to invite you to stand if the journey is hard right now and you just need to know that God's presence is with you. It's tough, but you want to be faithful even though it's tough. I invite you. You can go ahead and stand. I'd love to pray for you. I did say finally, but I've changed my mind. Maybe that you want to stand because you want to say to Jesus, I'd like to start the journey with you. I'd like to become one of your followers. Save me, rescue me, forgive me. Jesus, you died on the cross for me. You're alive. I'm going to, I'm going to make that my statement of faith today. And I want to begin a journey. I want to become a Christian. So please lead me forward. If that's true for you, why don't you just quietly stand and join many people who are already standing. Go ahead, do it now. Thanks for doing that. That's so exciting to see what God is doing. And so, Lord, we pray and uh, and we pause for a moment. Folks, look up, will you? Just look up at me. There's people standing near you. I don't want you to ask them why they're standing. I don't want you to even frame a prayer. I just want, if you're near one of these people who's standing, I just want you to be church and, and just just reach out to them. Just put your hand on their shoulder. Uh, that's all I'm asking you to do. Just be church. Don't let any of these people stand alone. Come and look around. Do you see people? Go stand with them, please. That's wonderful. Make sure no one's alone. holy moment sense your presence your word says if we need wisdom we should ask for it we're asking for it for our friends and family members here often you say be bold be courageous we ask for courage for them for those who are in the journey but it's hard give them strength for those who are inviting you to their lives for the first time. Reveal yourself to them, we pray. We give you thanks for what your Holy Spirit is doing. And we agree together in Jesus' name. Everyone said. Take your seats if you would. Thank you so much. Please know, folks, that in a few minutes from now, our prayer team will be here at the front. I invite you to come forward and have a moment of prayer. And if you're one of those people who just stood because you're beginning the journey with Jesus and that's so wonderful to see you doing that, please especially take note. Come and chat with these folks. We've got resources we want to give you and we would love to take a moment to talk and to pray. We